Welcome to the CSL Olympia podcast. In this episode, you will hear an opening prayer, followed by a talk. You can learn more about us at our website, cslolympia.org. Blessings. So as I come into this evening in this beauty and light and cherished fellowship, I recognize the presence that is here. It is that light that is always shining, creating every new day, for there is light always within and without. And knowing that it is bringing forth the good, the peace, love, and connection, that is all that it is. And so that is within me, it is within everything. Everything because it is all made of it. And so I cherish and give great thanks for the joy of knowing that I am connected to all things and all people. That I share that light and that presence within me, for it is within others that I greet that God and that light every day, blessing the hands, the smiles, the embracing, and the gifts that all bring into the world through that presence. And I know that the day I was born, there were lights shining. The stars were shining, the sun was shining, and that love of that presence was shining within me, everywhere. I'm so grateful for this season, knowing that it is a promise of light and love, always, always giving, always shining. I'm grateful for the gift that all bring into the world right now, for the peace they carry, for the love, for the fellowship and connection, that tender embrace of God. And so I release this knowing this is perfect right now and forever, and I say, and so it is. So original, my original talk title tonight was Bring Your Light. It's up there somewhere. Bring Your Light. But as I was sitting with that this week, it also was Bring Your Light and Your Dark. Because it's the light and the dark both. 
This morning I talked about the birth process, and, and the Bible version of the birth process is very sanitized, isn't it? It, just, it all just happens really nicely. And anybody who's given birth to, whether it's a child or anything else, knows it's not a nice, sanitary, you know, easy process. So we're going to uh, talk about it, and tonight as we gather in darkness, as we remember and as we celebrate, we bring our light as has been done for, uh, for millennia, but we also acknowledge and bless the darkness itself, which is not anything bad or evil, it's just the creative womb, if you will, of the universe. So Christians like to say Jesus is the reason for the season, but it's actually the sun that's the reason for the season. Early Christians didn't really concern, concern themselves much with the birth of Jesus. They focused mostly on the epiphany and on the, the resurrection, the, uh, the Easter celebration. And it wasn't until the 4th century when the Romans, as they were conquering other cultures and wanted to impose Rome's new official religion of Christianity on everybody else, uh, both on other cultures and on the pagans within them, that they, they put this, this holiday on December 25th to kind of override Saturnalia, which was the, the festival for the sun god Saturn. And so, because um, those celebrations had gotten a bit out of hand, from, from what I've heard. <clears throat> and so, whether we take the current version of the Christmas story literally, or honor the return of the sun, which never really left, by the way, it, it didn't move, we did, right? This is a powerful time to explore the dance of light and darkness. So culturally, we have viewed light as good and darkness as bad or unwanted. Our own religious science philosophy is filled with those kinds of metaphors. Yet in truth, in capital T truth, when you really think about it, each depends upon the other. We can't know one except in relationship to the other. While we create opposing forces within our own culture, there's other cultures, such as the Taoists, one of my favorite uh, philosophies in, in the world, which see harmony and creativity in the duality. In the Tao Te Ching, it says, being and not being grow out of one another. Difficult and easy complete one another. Long and short measure one another. High and low determine one another. Forward and back relate to each other. In Genesis, when God looks upon all that's been created, day and night, he sees it all and pronounces it very good. Not only just good, very good. In both Judaism and Islam, the day begins in the evening. So perhaps it's time to reevaluate how we hold the relationship of light and dark in our own lives. The Taoists seem to have a deep understanding of this coexistent, harmonious relationship with the concept of yin-yang, the light, the dark, the movement, the tranquility, which emanates from oneness, which needs this duality to express and experience itself. Without that, there's just this infinite oneness being. Without the, the relationships, without something else, it doesn't experience itself. And so the infinite oneness has potential, they say, but no action or form. It may be known about, but not experienced. I don't know about you, but I like to experience chocolate rather than just know about chocolate, right? <laughs> you know, and there's other things in life I like to experience rather than knowing about. And so this infinite, in order to experience itself, has to be in relationship. Thou say it may be transmitted, but not received. 
Because if there's nothing else to receive, which is the darkness, which is the open-heartedness, there's nothing that gets heard. So this infinite oneness needs duality in order to express and experience itself. It needs both. We need both. We need both the light and the dark. We speak of the beauty of the night sky. Poet Barbara Cooker says these winter nights are never black and dense, but white starlight dancing off the land. And the luminous dawns, the pearled skies full of hope, no matter what else we know. We can't appreciate the light of the stars or the moon without the rich darkness of night. The darkness, the yin, is the creative womb of life where life germinates in the darkness. You know, right now out in, in, in nature, the plants are holding that consciousness, if you will. That's not really, I don't know if plants hold consciousness. But there's a process, there's a life energy that's happening, even though it looks like below the surface nothing is happening but it's really happening. Our symbol, our, our symbol from the Science of Mind teaching embodies both the light and the dark. This is the symbol right here. The top layer representing the light, the activity, the motion, and the middle layer represents the subjective, what we call the soil of creativity, to allow that spark to emerge as form. It is said the Tao, the oneness, creates movement, young, light, activity, and when this activity reaches its limit, its completion, it moves into tranquility. It moves into the dark. And then when the tranquility reaches its limit, it moves into action. It moves into movement. And this is the ongoing process of life. Activity, passivity. Light, dark. At this time of year, we honor the completion of one aspect of the year and the beginning of another. That is why we're here tonight, is to honor that process. We honor the dance of light and dark, of spirit and matter, all of which are good and very good. And we honor the merry process, the creative womb, the peaceful, humble willingness to allow the infinite to manifest into form, that the word or infinite knowing may be made flesh, may become form, may become embodied and experienced among us. And we honor the birth and all that that entails. We honor the birth of the light of a new life, the light of the sun in the sky, the Christ consciousness being born to embody and express infinite love into human form. All of it is necessary. All of it is holy. All of it is sacred. Your darkness, my darkness, your light, my light, all of it is sacred. So this silent, holy night is the magical, miraculous, and yet perfectly ordinary birth of the new light from darkness. In the archetypal story that we hear about the Jesus story, the Jesus birth story, we are reminded to make room in the inn of our lives. See, the inn represents the day-to-day -day busyness, which has no time or no room for new birth of new ideas. I was talking this morning, and many of us, when we hear the call, sit there and go, uh, not this year. Maybe I need a little more time, a little more preparation. Maybe next year I'll do that. Maybe next year I'll answer the call. 
That's the busyness of our lives. And the new birth then takes place off to the side in the manger, which is the humble feeding trough of nature. In the quiet darkness, apart from the brilliance, from the hustle and bustle of everyday life, our new light emerges. It emerges while we're sick and have time to reflect, to to be, to not to do. It takes place when we're quiet and contemplative. It takes place in the silent holy night when we can hear the angels, the high thoughts, calling us to leave our flocks, our everyday work, our everyday busyness, and become aware of what wants to be birthed through us. In our lives, it comes in the darkness of our lives, falling apart from the order, the plans, the expectations of what we thought it would be, we have to let that happen, that falling apart happen. We have to let this darkness emerge. And so then people can show up and bring us gifts. People can counsel us, people can honor us, people can respect the essence of who we are. Rumi describes a conversation between himself and Shams Tabrizi who had completely his, disrupted his, his carefully planned life. I don't know how many of you know, but Rumi was started off as a scholar. He had all sorts of students and stuff. He was happy. He was content. He was doing great. And along comes this guy named Shams. Shams, by the way, means sun. S-U-N, sun, the light. Pops into his life. Disrupts everything. It's said that when Rumi was first met Shams, Shams came up to him and Rumi was sitting reading by a, 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 a pool of water. And Shams asked him, what are you reading? And Rumi looked at him and said, you wouldn't understand. And Shams picked up all of his books and threw them into the, into the pool of water. And he was like in a panic, oh my God, fishes them out of the pool of water and they're all dry. And he goes, how did you do that? And he said, you wouldn't understand. The conversation that Rumi records between he and Sham says, I said, what about my heart? He said, tell me what you hold inside it. I said, pain and sorrow. He said, stay with it. The wound is the place where the light enters you. So on this sacred evening, let us honor the light and the dark. Let us honor all the aspects of ourselves. I want to close with a quote from a Unitarian minister named Patricia Montley. She says, On solstice eve, value the dark. On this longest night of the year, before the light overcomes the dark, sit in the dark, alone or with others, and think about the importance of darkness. Bless mushrooms that grow in the dark and honeysuckle that sends its luscious scents into the night. Be grateful for the darkness that soothes us to sleep, the darkness that animals require for hibernation. Give thanks for sheltering dark places, the rich earth where seeds germinate, the cave that harbored our ancient ancestors and where some of our sun gods were born. 
the cellars that keep us safe from tornadoes, the womb that provided our first nourishment. So this evening I invite us to honor both the balance and the blessedness, the sacredness, the holiness of our light and our dark. And let both shine forth.